0: So at long last, we have something. Even though I told myself this had never happened again, I did have to record this episode multiple times. In this case, four or five times. And just because I said it wouldn't happen again didn't mean it wouldn't happen again. But instead of just dwelling on that too much, I actually kept going and kept going, and even some of the ones I edited. But it's funny because I can't tell you exactly what this show is, but I know when an episode has what it is that I want it to have and when it doesn't. And that's the easiest way to put it. Without all the, you know, extra little bells and whistles, it was that I didn't have an episode I liked. And the funny thing is, is that this is episode 60. So it is episode 60 of Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap. In case said I didn't put that out there at the beginning, which I didn't. I knew I didn't. But it's funny that it happens in the round numbers because even my first episode attempt, I didn't remember this was episode 60, which is a first, because usually I'm quite aware of milestones. That's how I motivate myself to keep going and to stay on track, but I didn't this time. So enough of that BS. (laughs) This episode is about me and almost the struggle that I had to do this. It is about externalizing those internal battles you are having that you keep dwelling on. It's about taking the stimulus of something that occurred that hurt you or pissed you off or you felt you missed out on life and saying, I've learned this about it and now it's time to move on. The experience no longer serves me and all that matters is that I go on to the next thing and not dwell on what I did wrong. What basically had been going on with me in the show and my writing, which has kind of come to a stop because of a lot of the energy that I've been going with in the show and other things. I mean, I've been busy, I had another job, but I let it infect other parts of my life because I was analyzing why I wasn't able to do it. And i talked talk to my wife and i talked talk to anyone or I'd just be sitting there writing going, what am I doing wrong? And what I was doing wrong was thinking about what I was doing wrong instead of just doing it again and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. So that's what this episode is about. I think it's pretty dang okay. And uh, you can take that to the bank. And I definitely feel it is good enough to wear the brand of psychotherapy. So with that said, I'm Jet Dunlap, you already heard the name of the show, and that episode is going to start right now. What would you say if I told you that I had done a 25-minute podcast after I had done four or five different podcasts for episode 60? And when I finally had one that I thought I didn't hate, and then I looked over at my recording device, and I saw on my Tascam recorder a blinking record light. And for those of you in the audio world, that meant that my record was in a state of pause. And that meant that the 25-minute episode I had recorded was actually... A zero-minute episode of nothing. Longtime listeners, and sometimes I feel deeply sorry for you, and then I realize that repetition, oh, repetition, is the only way we ever learn anything, and I feel less sorry. But those of you longtime listeners will remember that very often, I hit a little bit of a bottleneck in my show. And that bottleneck is that certain episodes, as if they are in some kind of Twilight Zone-esque situation, and of course I am referring to the Rod Serling version of Twilight Zone, as if they are in some kind of vortex, I can do as many as I possibly can try and none of them come out right. And you're thinking to yourself, well Jet, what is right? I've heard many of your episodes and they all sound a little different. Well, sure, that's true. They all should. But I know when one has a message or an idea or a story or a theme, that works. And there's very little else I could say about that because they are all so different. But the ones you actually hear, with the exception of a couple, are exactly what I want that episode to be. A lot of it has to do with something I talk about often, which is flow state, in the sense that I am in a pattern where I feel that the things and ideas that I am saying are exactly what needs to be said at the moment. And sometimes I just accidentally touch on a subject that resonates and I feel is a great thing for my audience to listen to at the moment. So what I do with that frustration ends up being important. And in this case, I did what I usually do, I got really mad. (laughs) And I stopped myself from taking down on the people around me. I did workout, which has been a really good system. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And every time that I hit this kind of impasse, I find it transfers into other parts of my life. So for instance, this bottleneck I've hit in my podcast has also affected my writing, whereas from about the earliest part of November, I started writing my original screenplay, which I told you folks, hey, Jet's going to write a screenplay, and he's going to be done in a month, and as you guys know, it was done in 16 days. Then I started doing the second run-through of that, and I did that pretty rapidly, finished that, and then started another screenplay, and I'm at about page 20, and I've been about at page 20 or 21 since... I started having issues with getting the podcast to be finished. (laughs) That's That's not exactly the best structure there. So they kind of affected each other. And then what happens is that snowballs and I start going, what else am I doing wrong? Well, it happens unconsciously. I start analyzing what else I'm not doing right. And then it comes, don't I have to do this? Aren't I neglecting this? Is this relationship the way it should be? Does this person owe you anything? Are you dragging your feet on this deal? Whatever it is, it starts to mount. Because I have a natural tendency, and I'm sure many of you do too, to let these minor things turn into major things that turn into many things. And therefore, this little who knows why, right? So it's not worth me trying to figure out why I'm not able to do the show the way I was for about six or seven episodes in a row because the investigation of that will not reveal an epidemic problem. It's just that sometimes, and this is okay, I have a harder time expressing whatever it is it is that I'm trying to express in the style in which I need to to make this something that I believe is worth listening to, and that's the only reason. I wanna have some kind of larger reason so I can deem it as something that is epidemic or something that is an issue with my personality or my system so that I can say, okay, here's what it is, and this is how I want to fix it. But the human condition is very rarely like a check engine light on a car. You know, (laughs) Well, sometimes, I guess, because you go to the mechanic and you have no idea what it is and it costs a lot of money and you're still at the same place you were before. But what I mean by that is that the human condition is not a mechanical object, and if I decide that everything that goes sideways is because of some root problem, my investigation of that problem is only going to reveal other problems that I have. Again, these are situations that I deem problems, and it will not bring more of the result that I want, which is to be productive. And that's, that's also something that's interesting that I was discussing today, was that, uh, all these things I'm doing, screenwriting, the gym, doing my show, are all voluntary. They're all because this is stuff that I find important. However, I assign the same amount of guilt or responsibility to it that someone would a job because I feel that being a human of, how I, well, I shouldn't say how should I put it. I uh, Being a human who participates in their own creativity, in their own Progress and improvement is very important. I don't think that we, as creatures, are satisfied with stagnation. The noble beaver, as mentioned in a previous episode where I talked about the documentary I watched about beavers called Leave It to Beaver or Leave It to Beavers, these beavers create these dams and they create this landscape because that's what they do. And I think humans inherently are here for a reason, and I believe that reason to be the exercising of certain things that can only be revealed in the human existence. And that is, one of them for me was, let's say, hypothetically, that we have multiple lives. Or let's say we're a spiritual creature that's up in the sky with God or wherever you like. The only way we could actually overcome or even more than that, I, I always see it in my head as like the repairing of a wound in an energy bubble. Is that the most hippy, dippy stuff you've ever heard in your life? But let's say that's why we're here. So for instance, one of my theories about myself is that I've probably traveled in the human form multiple times. Am I blowing your mind yet? And I think that I probably suffered with alcoholism or addiction multiple times because it feels like that's something that's been around for a long time. And so, therefore, me fighting the instinct to be what I have been is an improvement on this human, but I believe it has larger ramifications of that. And so, let's make it easy. You're in this human skin. (laughs) Not in the Hannibal Lecter way. Not not that you're wearing human skin. You are wearing human skin, but hopefully it's your human skin. Uh, Since we are in this condition and we are walking around on this planet, I believe that there are certain inherent feelings, notions, ideas, concepts, uh, let's call it intuitions that we have about why we are here. Have you ever noticed that the people who are the most successful, the ones who are real earth-shaking individuals, they always kind of have that? So someone who breaks the record in the Olympics, or someone who is the most celebrated writer or director, whatever the case is, they always say, "All my life, I felt like I was supposed to do this. I've known this since I was a child. I feel like I've known this forever. This story has lived in me forever. Uh, my whole life has about been about doing this thing." Well, if their whole life was that way, what set it up when they were two years old? You know. So all of that said, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that there is a satisfaction in doing the things you feel you're meant to do. Now, in my case, with doing the podcast, comedy, screenwriting, I don't get the kind of results that an athlete or a person who is doing it professionally who has that kind of feedback gets. However, that even saying that is kind of a narrative to suit my sadness, right? Oh, I'm doing all this for myself, and no one sees it, and no one likes me, and I'm a poor little kid. Truth be told is that I've been screenwriting for, in, in earnest, I mean, I mean I've mean, i been doing it for years and years and years. I've written little TV stuff, webisodes, webisodes, weapons, wepid, weapon again, webisodes. I've done screenwriting with people, with ensembles and writer's room stuff, but my own finished screenplay from beginning to end just happened in November, and what do I expect? To be Aaron Sorkin? I shouldn't. And then as far as the podcast, I have now 60 episodes and I have been hesitant in the promotion of this show because I felt that was right in the sense that I didn't want it to be about promotion. I wanted it to be about, I don't know, I wanted it to kind of organically grow so that it wasn't about me trying to get new listeners and not trying to find hot topics that are hitting the news right now to capture people or having radical opinions that uh, get people to hate it or love it, right? I didn't want that to be the motivation for this. I say all that to say that my expectations for the results can't be the same as someone who has written 50 scripts or been in the sincerely in the writing industry for 20 years, and that if I had the expectations of excellence or some kind of tremendous breakthrough, it wasn't going to happen in something that is so recent. I do it because I like it and I feel I should. And there's many things in your life that you know you should be doing for whatever reason. I was going to say I have to take a back seat to myself fairly often, but I don't have to. I should, and I try, although in most cases I fail. And I will be throwing this tremendous pity party for myself, and all the reasons that I feel that my life has been abnormally difficult. They all feel reminiscent. They feel like an old comfortable couch that I can just lay in and go, I remember this feeling. This is a good old feeling. For someone like me, I feel more out of place when I'm in a situation where I might even be quote unquote happier, but that's foreign to me. So one of the examples I've used before is that I'll go and I'll do something, and then it isn't until the thing is done where I go, That was pretty fun, right? Because at the time of what was supposed to be fun, my brain was a little bit overwhelmed with the idea of a different sensation that I'm accustomed to. Now, me feeling like I'm uniquely bad or uniquely cursed is something that I try so hard every day to take a back seat to and go, Take a breath. What was it you were saying yesterday about your life? (laughs) Right? So it's usually one day I'll be feeling like I'm on top of the world, and then the next day I feel far less than that. And it hurts to go through that. And any really long, elegant explanation doesn't change that sensation. That from one day to the next, I will feel so different. And this happens to everyone. The little circumstances that come up. And most of the time in my life, it's when things slow down and I am forced to have a panoramic view of what's going on and my future doesn't have a lot in front of it that stimulates me. And that's kind of what goes back to the beginning of the episode, which is that I believe as humans, much like the beaver and no other example... (laughs) as if as if there there isn't scores of examples of different animals that aren't the human that we thrive under the utilization of our utility and our talent. I think that when you're not able to exercise that you have to do something else a lot to ignore it. And my show cuz I spent a lot of time kind of backtracking but my show is aimed towards and It really should be written down somewhere for me to look at. My show is aimed towards trying to get you to realize those things. Because for all the things that I deal with emotionally, I do not in any way regret the decisions I've made to try and pursue what I believe I was put on this planet for. And the pursuit, interestingly enough, is the only thing I can control. And that hurts me even to say, because that feels like I'm relinquishing control of the uh, eventuality, and I don't like that. I wanna feel like I can execute the manifestation of my ultimate goal, and that it is some kind of flaw or something that I am neglecting to do that makes it so it hasn't been achieved, and that's actually something I'm just realizing for the first time as I talk to you, which is I am angry at myself on a daily basis for not being able to figure out, as if it is a problem that can be solved, why I am not performing at the highest levels in film and television. And why is it that I am not an executive in a studio or a successful director? And if I was to, again, like I started this, say, take a back seat to what that is, and say, you are doing all of these things that are unique. They are real. You have the script. These are tangible things you've done. Give yourself credit for that. If you've listened to this show, you've heard the hundreds of examples, but if you haven't, I spent a good 10 years pursuing it as hard as I possibly could, as much as I knew how. You know, A lot of my limitations were at my uh, pool of influence and not going through a school like USC and not having the exposure to things that other people did, but as much as I could. So it's not even worth describing the things I was not able to do, because how would I have known how to do them if I wasn't exposed to it, right? But every time that I've failed, I have gathered up what I learned from that experience, not seeing it as a failure. I have pieced together what I still have, and I have planned my next attack. And in between those moments of action, I suffer from the analysis of what I did wrong. And interestingly enough, the analysis of what I did wrong is one of my issues. It is great to learn from your mistakes, but it is not great to dwell on them. And sometimes it is nothing we did wrong that didn't land us the results we wanted. I remember when I was doing an auditioning for television and film class with John Loprino. John Loprino was my acting coach at Park College, where I met Gina. And I took his classes often, to the point where I was practically his TA, because we had gotten to become such good friends. And John was uniquely cool because he was not just a drama teacher and a guy who taught auditioning for television film and scene study and all that stuff. But he was also a guy who was on a soap opera for 13 years had done quite a few movies and was a current writer on a couple of shows so you know that whole idea of those who can't teach in john's case that was not the case because he was actually doing it as he taught and he had been doing it prior to his teaching he and i would do this thing at the beginning of his class and he liked to do it with me because i had actually had a little practice in the film and television industry in practical application, which many of the students hadn't. And one of the things we'd do is we'd invite in casting directors. And the first day of class, that's a little more romantic than the case. I think it was probably within the first couple classes. We'd have the individuals who signed up for this class. Remember, they signed up for a class called Auditioning for Television and Film. In his syllabus and in his first lectures, John, He would talk about the brutalness of this industry. Okay, that said, the casting directors who are actual casting directors in film and television would sit in the audience as all of these students would come up. And if they had a monologue, great. If they didn't, they'd just stand there and they'd have a conversation. They'd be asked questions. The casting directors and the people in the class would deem their type. Okay. And so there would be a girl who was just in her mind something very specific. And they'd say, you're the sister or you're the mom, or you're the this. And most of the people were devastated. Then you'd have a guy who comes in and he would be read and they'd say, you're not a leading man, you're this, this, and the other thing. And then someone else would come in and they'd be like, you're a leading man. The purpose of this class was to prepare people for the reality of this industry. Now, one of the stories that these casting directors told us was that a lot of times when a casting director picks someone or someone is interviewing someone, they may not get the job because they look too much like the other, like the casting person's ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Or that person just didn't have the right look for what the writer was thinking when they wrote the role. I did, personally, hundreds of interviews at at and And oftentimes, the reason I didn't hire someone had very little to do with their ability to wow me with a resume or education. The reason I go through all this rigmarole is that, we try and find reasons for why things have happened with only one side of the information, and we don't know. And then if you're a person like me, I think the internet is full of people who are far worse than I am, and I usually don't talk about the politics of the world or you know social media in that sense, but everyone's attitude right now is to blame everyone, and there's an attitude right now where it's, I want to be treated very special, but I also want to be equal and normal. And that's contradictory. So I think that this feeling right now that's going on is more prevalent than ever, which is either I'm uniquely bad or the world is out to get me. The internal one is a little less toxic on the people around you because you're just going to, if you're me, you go, well, I am uniquely bad. I must improve. So if it's, I don't feel I look good enough. I don't feel I'm thin enough. I don't feel I'm smart enough. I don't feel I'm educated enough in this situation that has less of a direct impact. I mean, actually, usually it has a positive impact on the people around me because I am taking that, going back to the drawing board, and improving. What I see a lot of right now is someone going, "Oh, I didn't get that job. Well, that's because I'm a woman. That's because I'm a man. That's because I'm old. That's because I'm young. That's because I'm too educated. That's because I'm not educated enough. That's because I'm on. From, uh, I, uh, people think that I'm too privileged because I grew up with wealth. People think that I'm too poor." All those things play in your excuses, but that's what they are. The truth is, spending a lot of time on the reason why a thing didn't happen is kind of useless. And there is an analysis. They used to say it when I, I used to, well still am, a consultant for a lot of companies, from aeronautics, aerospace, not only aeros, (laughs) but uh, wedding entertainment companies, and uh, even down to skincare companies, I do consulting. And what they do after a pitch went on, they do something called a postmortem. And one of the things I always told them is I didn't like the idea of it being a postmortem because that conjured up some kind of like, obviously, what that word comes from, which is this opening up a human and figuring out what killed him. Uh, but it was, you know, an exit interview or an analysis after the fact. And you'd figure out what your initial issues were with the one side, which is your side, figuring out why you didn't get the bid, why you didn't get the job. That is fine. So just saying, okay, this happened. It's not the universe's fault, the world's fault, or my fault. I have learned this from this. Now I will take what I learned and I will stop thinking about it. The point is, I've been going through that. And so I shared it and I learned something and it brought up so many points and examples in my life that I had already overcome this. But I wasn't able to articulate those to myself mentally until I actually said it audibly. You know, a lot of people think on paper, and I do that as well. But thinking out loud is important too, and sometimes you can just talk to yourself just to see if what you are feeling and dwelling on is actually worth that. Is the dwelling, is the horrible feeling about something you did wrong that you haven't figured out what the reason is? Or have you already figured out the reason and you're just dwelling on it because that stimulus, that torture is familiar to you? I say, don't do that. I say, feel better, figure it out and move on. I am out of those good old fashioned words. So from Jet Dunlap and psychotherapy, I hope this helped. Thank you so much. And congratulations to me on episode 60. Talk to you next time.